0: A former Israeli space chief has broken the news that extraterrestrials exist, our world leaders have been in contact with them, and the aliens are part of a galactic federation, which I did not believe until I saw leaked video from one of their meetings. looks nicer than any sort of meeting at the UN or the European Union. There is an alien federation and they are exerting a lot of influence over us, but that wretched hive of scum and villainy is a lot closer than Mars or Pluto. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment from yesterday from Sharon Bizriguez who coincidentally just subscribed to the channel yesterday, right before the show. So welcome to the channel, Sharon. Sharon said, Santa Claus was a poll worker until they caught him checking his list twice. This is true. This is true then, absolutely not. Uh, And unfortunately, Santa Claus could have brought us a lot of votes in Greenland, but uh, unfortunately he checked his list twice and that was not good for the fraud that was taking place. I don't know if it took place in the North Pole. Certainly We have evidence of irregularities all throughout Georgia, Pennsylvania, Michigan had some shenanigans, very likely Wisconsin, and yet, and yet, how do I put this? It ain't over until the fat lady sings, and the fat lady is not singing yet, but she is warming up. You don't hear her singing, but you do hear her warming up. We have said from the very beginning, when all those kind of squishy conservatives wanted us to concede the election very early, and a lot of other people said absolutely not, this is Trump definitely 100%. We've said there's obviously evidence of fraud, and we're not going to concede this election until the electors vote, until the legal process plays out. The legal process dealt the Trump campaign a very unfortunate blow yesterday. The probably strongest case at the Supreme Court or that could have gone to the Supreme Court was from Pennsylvania because Pennsylvania obviously violated their state constitution by permitting widespread unsolicited mail-in ballots. Justice Alito decided to move up the day that they could hear potentially hear this case uh, to before the safe harbor deadline, before the Pennsylvania would at that point decide where their electors were going. And they did move that up. And then, in one sentence, the Supreme Court shot down the Trump campaign's efforts. They wrote The application for injunctive relief presented to Justice Alito and by him referred to the court is denied. There were no dissents recorded. Doesn't mean there weren't dissents in the room, but it means that there were no dissents recorded here. So the, the court is speaking with one voice because, because, regardless of the judicial aspects of this question, there's the political aspect, which is the court does not want to be seen as interfering in the election, even when it would be appropriate for them to do so. Ted Cruz, the very fine senator and very fine podcast co-host of Verdict, came out swinging. Senator Cruz was supposed to give the oral arguments when this case was heard at the Supreme Court. but Then the court shot it down. So Cruz came out and said he's disappointed in the court said that the legal challenge raised serious and pressing issues about election integrity. He's absolutely right. I'm disappointed in the court as well. The, the Supreme Court, particularly under John Roberts, has wanted to be seen as not interfering in politics. And as a result, ironically, the court often seems very, very political because they seem like they're basing their decisions to hear cases or not hear cases of their rulings based not on the legal facts, but on the political ramifications. I probably would have, would have bet you this from the beginning. I mean, I could have told you this early on that the court was not going to want to interfere because they don't want to be blamed one way or the other. There's no good political outcome for them, even if as a judicial matter, uh, it seems very clear that the election officials in Pennsylvania broke the constitutional rules there. There is one last court case that could give President Trump a sliver of hope. There was uh, Jonathan Turley, the law professor, came out and he said, it's an, it, the landing space for this Trump campaign aircraft is running out. And now, uh, Turley says, you'd have to land a jumbo jet on a postage stamp. There does remain that sliver of hope. That sliver of hope is from Texas, which gives all of us hope very often. Uh, Texas is now suing other states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, over their election irregularities. Because what they're saying is basically by these states screwing up their elections and possibly rigging the, the election in certain places by violating the law, that disenfranchises Texas, right? Because you're now swinging the whole election. The states don't have any right to do that. The Supreme Court would have original jurisdiction here because it's a state suing other states. But looking at the way that the Supreme Court ruled on the Pennsylvania case, which was extraordinarily strong for Trump, very difficult to believe that those judges are going to grow spines in the meantime. So it's not looking good. I think we should remain hopeful. I often uh, use this line, which I borrowed from a great priest friend of mine, which is that there are, the difference between a Scottish optimist and a Scottish pessimist is the Scottish pessimist says things can't get any worse. The Scottish optimist says, oh yes, they can. And optimism and pessimism are kind of two sides of the same coin. They're just these feelings that you feel all the time. And we don't have that. We, we have hope. Uh, but that it plays into a little bit of this idea of the optimism and pessimism in that we have hope. Hope is a fact, right? We have hope in our salvation one day, but we know things are going to get a lot worse in the meantime. If Biden does become president, which now appears likely, then we are in for it, folks. Not because of the galactic federation from Pluto that the former Israeli space chief is talking about, but because of foreign powers right here on Earth, China is going to exert an incredible amount of influence. They already are. They're actually already bragging about it. If it turns out this way, if the Trump legal team is not able to overcome all of the nefarious powers allayed against them, look, a lot will have been accomplished within four years. I hope more can be accomplished in the future. We will have to be grateful for the memories. And when you want to preserve your memories, you got to check out Legacy Box. Legacy Box is a safe, and affordable way to digitally preserve all your home movies and photos that are currently trapped on dated formats like VHS or film. With everything going on here is a great way to ensure that the focus remains on your family this holiday season. I'll tell you, the thing about Legacy Box, it's so easy. You get all your old stuff, the tapes and the pictures and all that, and you just put them into little envelopes. You put the stickers on that they tell you to put on, you send it into them. That's it. You don't need to think about it again. They digitize it for you. They return your physical material and the digital stuff. A beloved family member of mine died. I lost all the photos. Fortunately, I found some some more photos from another relative. We got them digitized with legacy bucks. They're great. You get it on the cloud, on a thumb drive, on a DVD, all sent along. A wonderful way to restore and protect your most cherished family memories. This is the best deal of the year. Go to LegacyBox.com slash can to take advantage of this limited time offer. Get 60% off. That offer will not last long, so order the kit now. Perfect, perfect Christmas gift. Send it out whenever you're ready. It's a sale to remember. Go to LegacyBox.com slash and save 60% while supplies last. This is something that should have us all holding out hope until the very, very last minute. That President Trump can somehow eke out an election victory here. I don't, I don't. I still don't think there's any reason to concede before the electors vote. We should all be holding out hope because it's not just Joe Biden though. He's probably the greatest example of this. For decades, elite politicians in this country have sold us out to China. They've done it because they have a stupid political ideology that tells them that uh, rising China is good for the world. That's why they let. The China into the World Trade Organization 20 years ago. It's why they've allowed China to steal our intellectual property. It's why they've allowed China to violate World Trade Organization treaties. It's why they've allowed China to illegally subsidize their steel and aluminum and manipulate their currency. The list goes on and on and on and on. Most importantly, they've allowed China to steal our jobs. And the, the argument for it is: oh, it's good for the world of China. Gets more economic power, they'll liberalize their country. They'll become more democratic. They'll become more like America, and that'll be good for everybody. Obviously, that hasn't happened. The other reason is that China's just buying direct influence. You you saw this with the Hunter Biden scandal. You've seen this with other American politicians. We now have experts on communist China admitting this kind of influence. There's a recently recorded lecture showing a Chinese Communist Party expert explaining how China has, quote, people at the top of America's core inner circle. This video has been leaked, made its way onto the internet and into the United States after it was censored in China. The person giving this lecture is Di Dongsheng. He's vice dean of the School of International Relations at Renmin, uh, Renmin University. My Chinese is not great, but my ability to read subtitles is. Take a listen to this. We know that the Trump administration is in a trade with this. So why can't we fix the Trump administration? Why, between 1992 and 2016, did China and the U.S. used to be able to settle all kinds of issues? No matter what sort of crises happened, bombing of the embassy, crashing of the plane,
1: things were resolved in
0: no time, like a couple do with their quarrels. We fixed everything in two months. What's the reason? I'm going to throw out something a little explosive here. It's just because we have people at the top. At the top of America's core inner circle of power and influence, we have our old friends. For the past 30 years, 40 years, we've been utilizing the core power of the United States. Now, we know which people he's talking about here. Notably, he's talking about Biden, who's given speeches about this. He's given speeches about how great it is to empower China. He's gone on the record. But you've heard all the other kind of liberal establishment people talking about this as well. This sort of admission is so explosive that I didn't believe it, actually. This video was going all around the internet yesterday. I didn't believe it. But mainstream news outlets, not many of them, but some of them are are reporting on this because they have to, because this is real. This, this is a real guy. He really is the vice dean of this IR school. And he's really talking about influence, Chinese influence in the United States. Hostile powers have often exerted influence in the United States. Right now I'm, I'm reading Witness by Whitaker Chambers. It's one of the books that turned Reagan from a liberal into a conservative. It's from an ex-communist who details in painstaking detail all of the Soviet influence in the United States during the 30s. During, even even a little before that and during the 40s, guys who were at the very tippy top, guys who were helping to establish the United Nations, guys who were in the State Department, guys who were in the Justice Department, who were communist spies. And they had that. Soviet Union had that for a long time. When people make fun of McCarthyism or they make fun of the House Un-American Activities Committee, we all that's like the punchline now for a lot of people. What that fails to acknowledge is, These guys were right. I mean, Joe McCarthy was a little bit of a flawed individual in the way that he carried these things out. No question about it. William F. Buckley Jr., founder of National Review, wrote one of his first books defending Joe McCarthy because the central thesis here that the Soviet Union had communist spies at high levels of the government was obviously true. We know this. We know their names. We know the name Alger Hiss. We know, we know people who were, Whitaker Chambers called this out. McCarthy, I suppose, called this out. Nixon called this out all made fun of, all mocked, all have been sort of written out of the, the history of that era. But it happened. And it's happening now with China. He goes on. Now that we're seeing Biden was elected, the traditional elite, the political elite, establishment, they're very close to Wall Street. So you see that, right? Trump has been saying that Biden's son has some sort of global foundation. Do you notice that? Who helped him build the foundation? Biden's son. Got it? There are a lot of deals in all these. Who helped Hunter Biden build the foundation? Who do you think? Who do you think? China. He, uh, this, this guy points out very astutely that uh, Wall Street used to exert a lot of influence in the United States. And then after the financial crisis, 2007, 2008, Wall Street lost a fair bit of their influence. And they were sort of the bad guys because they plunged us all into this global recession still the establishment was playing along. And then you had Trump. And Trump comes in and he offered a radically different policy at the domestic level, but also at the international level. Don't forget from Bush one, maybe even further back than Bush one, but certainly from Bush one, Clinton, Bush two, Obama, the presidents changed, the parties changed, but the foreign policy more or less stayed the same didn't change all that much. Our attitude toward China didn't change at all, really. It kept getting nicer and nicer and softer and softer. Then Trump comes in and he says, No, what are you guys doing? But people make this mistake. They think Trump was elected because of his personality, because he said some mean things and made fun of Mika Brzezinski's face. Not so. Donald Trump offered a different policy agenda than did the other Republicans in the primary and then did Joe uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, and I suppose Joe Biden too. It was a different agenda, specifically with regard to our greatest geopolitical foe. This will be coming back if Joe Biden becomes the president, okay? This is going to raise a lot of security issues. When we think about national security, we're always talking about the Middle East or, you know, terrorists coming over here. A far greater security issue will come from China. There is Uh, no reason to play nicely with China. China views us as an enemy and an adversary. And there is a political elite in the United States now led by Joe Biden that wants to deny that adversarial relationship. Got to keep security on our mind. And you know, when you have personal security on your mind, Ring has everything you need to keep an eye on your home this holiday season. See and speak to whoever is at your door from anywhere with video doorbells. Keep an eye on every corner of your house with easy to install indoor and outdoor cameras help protect your whole home with Ring Alarm, a powerful, affordable, whole home security system you can easily install yourself. I travel a bit, you know, I, I'm i happy that sweet little Lisa knows her way around a firearm, but I don't want to rely on that. It's very nice, especially now that I have a nice house, you know, in, in the sweet air of freedom in Tennessee. I'm no longer in my little shoebox in L.A., it's nice that sweet little Lisa will be able to see who is at the door before she opens that door. It's nice for me too, not only because of the robbers or the burglars, or, also because sometimes you have unwanted family members come visit you, your mother-in-law, I don't know. For a limited time, go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. You will get lots of special holiday offers. This, is, this also makes a great gift. The, one of the reasons it makes a great gift is because it's not very expensive. So I've given this gift out as friends of mine, for, as housewarming presents, great Christmas gift as well. Go to ring.com slash Knowles, Canada You don't need to just take this lecturer's word for it. We now know about a Chinese spy program that was going on in the United States that infiltrated very high levels of government and that specifically infiltrated the Democratic Party. And and infiltrated, actually, this was a bigger risk because one of the people that this Chinese spy, Christine Fang, targeted and, and infiltrated was Eric Swalwell. And apparently, this woman is accused not just of raising lots of money for these people, getting in their circles. She even slept with some of these elected politicians. Now, we're not sure if she slept with Swalwell, but you'll remember during Eric Swalwell's brief presidential campaign, he said that he is us. I am you. That was one of his slogans, which means that I may have slept with a Chinese spy, which means I'm going to have a lot of answering to do to sweet little Elisa, except that it means sweet little Elisa will also have slept with the Chinese spy. So frankly, I don't, this is raising a lot of questions and a lot of feelings and emotions that I don't want to get into. This is a family program. But in any case, that is the allegation here. Christine Fang targeted up and coming local politicians in the Bay Area and across the country who had the potential to make it big on the national stage. So, you know, we can make fun of Eric Swallow all we want, and I think it's a fun thing to do. But the guy did make it to Congress, which is kind of low level for the federal uh Government, but still made it to Congress. It's a national position, and he was a briefly, at least, a presidential candidate. So hey, that's something. He's a young guy. He's kind of a joke and a goofball, but uh, hey, anyway, he, he made it pretty far. And this woman targeted him when he was very, very local. She just saw that there was some promise here. She did this to other uh, politicians, but first of all, well, she raised money. There was networking, and there is an open question as to whether or not there was a more intimate relationship. For her sake, I have to hope she didn't didn't have to talk about making a sacrifice for your country. (laughs) Talk about taking a difficult job if your job requires you to jump in in the sheets with Eric Swalwell. But this sort of stuff happens. When it became clear that she was exerting some influence, the intelligence agencies in the United States approached Swalwell and said, hey, listen, this lady looks like she's a spy. He did cut cut, cut off relationships with her, uh, other politicians appear to have as well. When she realized she was being surveilled by the United States, she hightailed it back to China. So it's pretty clear that she was a spy. Uh, there are other Chinese spies in the United States. That's, uh, we all spy on each other. All, all the governments of the world spy on one another. The question is how successful are they? And beyond espionage, what kind of influence are they exerting? I'm sure I'm, I'm, the United States has spies all over the world. but What kind of influence do they have behind the scenes? certainly some, we know China's exerting a lot of influence as well. One place they exert a lot of influence is US universities. China has made a concerted effort to influence American universities. They've used different kinds of programs, the Confucius program, other uh, other different programs uh, as well. The thing about the universities though, is that foreign communists don't don't need to do very much to transform them because domestic communists have done that uh, perfectly well themselves. Something very troubling and offensive has come out of the University of Maryland School of Public Policy. And the thing that's troubling and offensive there is that they're instructing their instructors that there should be no troubling or offensive content in the classroom. This from a a letter that was sent out to faculty members at the UMD School of Public Policy, told them to add a statement to their syllabus uh, promising to commit to diversity while avoiding anything that is, quote, troubling or causes offense to students. What happens if that letter is troubling and causes offense to me as a conservative, as someone who defends liberal education, as somebody who defends reading the great books, which are troubling and cause offense very often. That's how they uh, educate you. What happens then? Something tells me the school of public policy won't care because they don't care if they offend or or trouble conservative students. This is only in one direction and it's in the direction of political correctness, which is the orthodoxy and the standard of leftism or wokeism or use whatever words you like. But it's been creeping for decades and decades through a concerted campaign in the United States and it is winning, especially in the educational institutions. How do we respond to this sort of thing? I think the old conservative model, the model that prevailed for, I don't know, the 1990s and 2000s or early 20 teens was, well, what can we do? We have to throw up our hands. We couldn't possibly use politics to fix this problem because politics, that's just the government. And we would never want to use the government or actually exert the political power that people give us. So, well, it's too bad, but we'll just have to fight them and start our own state universities. So You know, if we just start our own massive state university, then we can influence the culture. And I think that's kind of weak sauce, guys. I think the way we fix this is that when we have the levers of political power, we defund the University of Maryland unless they cut out the nonsense, unless they change their educational standards, which are currently bad, to be good educational standards. Now, you can't defund those. The school is obviously funded by Maryland. If I were governor of Maryland, I would defund the school. They, the school also gets federal funding. If I were president of the United States, I would defund the school until they brought their syllabus in line with proper education and away from politically correct liberal leftist education. We talked about this a little bit yesterday. All education is coercive. All education indoctrinates, right? They're, they're essentially the same word. So, the question is, what are you indoctrinating them, to use the bad word, or what are you educating them in? You can't teach someone how to think without teaching them what to think. And this sort of thing is absolute poison to liberal education, and this sort of thing is absolute poison to a free citizenry. We cannot permit universities to teach this. And the way to stop that is not just by writing op eds, the way to stop that is not just by starting your own university, it's by defunding and exerting political pressure on these universities. And believe it or not, UMD is not even the craziest university around today. For that, you you can't look to the state universities. You have to look to the wonderful, lofty Ivy League, where the craziness has somehow surpassed just about every other university in the country. We will turn to Cornell in a second, but first, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about movement watches I love Movement Watches. They've been with this show since the very beginning. 2020 is not played out by the usual rules. Obviously, that's going for Christmas shopping as well. A lot of shipping delays. A lot of people are not shopping in stores right now. A lot of stores are are actually not allowing in-person shopping. Not a lot of great options, but our friends over at Movement Watches have made gift-giving easy. Movement makes clean modern watches, eyewear, and blue light glasses, which I would highly recommend. Jewelry as well that look really, really nice, and they don't break the bank. Their watches feel like a eh, four or $500 watch. That's what you'd pay in a department store, but you pay a fraction of the price for movement. They're durable. They're high quality. I've, I've never had to replace the battery in my Movement Watches. I mean, I've had them now for quite a long time, I've never had scratches or dings on they, they just They look really nice. They function very well. Movement has this super sleek matte black packaging. It just looks really cool. I gave my father and my uh, uh, stepmother a Movement watch last year, and they loved them. This was the biggest hit of the holiday season. I paid more for other presents, but they didn't care about those presents. They just liked the Movement watch. Get 15% off today with fast free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt dot com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S-M-V-M-T dot slash Knowles. You and your friends and relatives will thank me. Cornell University has gone even woker than the trigger warnings and taking offensive books off the syllabus. Cornell University wants its students to get a flu vaccination. Not the Wu flu, but the regular flu. And I, everyone's so crazy about Public, public health these days, that they're, they want all their students to get a flu shot. However, they are going to exempt certain students from the flu vaccination if those students are black. So, I'm, not, I'm not making this up. If you're a white student at Cornell and you're on campus and you're residing there, you need to get the flu vaccine. If you are a black student, you don't need to get the flu vaccine. And and so this raises some problems. Because I don't get the flu shot, and I don't know that I've ever gotten a flu shot, and I don't intend to this year either. But because I'm a young, healthy person, and so my risk is low. I guess there is a risk, you know, there is a, a risk to it, but I'm willing to take that risk. There are two, there's a contradiction here, right? If you believe that the vaccines are really, 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 really good for you, and the flu shot is really, really, really good for you. And you say only the white people need to get it. And who cares if the black people get it? You sound kind of racist, right? <laughs> right? right? But, now, but then if you're saying that white people have to get the vaccine and black people don't have to get the vaccine because, the, because these sorts of vaccines and public health measures have been really horrible and terrible to black people over the years then you're saying that the vaccines maybe aren't so great. You're undercutting your argument on the vaccine. Either you have to undercut your argument on race or you have to undercut your argument on the vaccines. Cornell though, in the lofty Ivy League, uh, they, they don't understand that very simple issue. Historical injustices and current events will allow black students to avoid getting the flu shot. And, and they're, they're referring not just, by the way, to you know, scientific experiments that were undertaken on black people in various places in the past. They're referring to the BLM argument. They're referring to police brutality, you know, or the killing of whoever, you know, the, the, the idea that there is a scourge and a, an epidemic of racist cops killing innocent black men all around the country, which obviously is not happening. But they're, they're referring to that. What does that have to do with the flu shot? it shows you that the just trust the science people don't understand anything about politics. The word science, when it is invoked in a political context, does not refer to the scientific method of material inquiry or science in its broader sense of knowledge. It's referring specifically to political knowledge, political agendas. And I know that there are some conservatives, I'm not I'm not even talking about the leftists here who are totally bought into the scientific agenda and have been for 150 years because they view their political agenda as science itself. So it's illegitimate to dispute it or to push against it, right? The science of politics, the science of history. So I'm just talking to the conservatives. There are some conservatives who say, look, I don't want these political battles over the masks or vaccines or whatever, you know, they, they, they're a little more open to the masks or these kind of public health measures. They're more willing to listen to Fauci and say, look, I just, I just want to follow the science. I, do, I don't want the science to be clouded by politics. That is not possible. It's not possible. Public health refers to science in part, and it refers to politics. The word public is synonymous with political. They, they refer to the exact same thing. When we're talking about public health, we're talking about politics. And all of science, the most hard-nosed scientist who says, I just follow the empirical facts on the ground, even he will be forced to acquiesce to politically correct standards. You can't escape. No society and no segment of society can escape that society's standards. And I don't care how materialist and, and scientific you want to pretend that you are they won't escape it either. Just look at abortion. It's very clear that unborn babies are babies. It's, they're obviously human. They're obviously alive. They're obviously babies, but it's not politically correct to say that. And so scientists concoct all sorts of ways to deny that they're babies because they have to, because the standards make them. Consider gender theory. It's very clear that men are men and women are women, and men cannot become women and women cannot become men and men who put on dresses and lipstick are not magically all of a sudden women. That's very clear. As a scientific matter, it's obviously clear. And yet there are many scientists who refuse to say this. Not just quack scientists, there are plenty of those. But broadly speaking, it is politically incorrect, and so they won't do it. When scientists, remember Larry Summers got fired as the president of Harvard, because he suggested that the reason that, that women do not excel at the very, very highest levels of math is because of just a little investigation he'd done to suggest that the bar curve for for men in terms of aptitude is broader than women, meaning that the dumbest people on earth and the smartest people, we're talking very small numbers of people, would be more likely to be men rather than women. And he's just presented this as one explanation of this fact that in the hard sciences and in mathematics, there are more men who focus on it than women. He lost his job for that. The science, any kind of social science, hard science, physical science, it will acquiesce eventually to the politically correct standard. And that's what's happening with the flu shot at Cornell. And that's what's going to happen with the public debate over the vaccine rollout. It's what's going to happen. It's what's already been happening, obviously, with the masks. And I think that we need to uh, very often conservatives want to say, hey, I'm a, I follow the real science. I'm not like a leftist who follows the fake science on gender and stuff. I follow the real science. Don't. Don't even do that. So, stop using the word science in that way. Science refers to knowledge, and it's very important that we educate ourselves and pursue inquiry in the material realm, in the metaphysical realm, in, in all of these sorts of things. I, I love that. I love education. I love reading. I love scientific investigation. But, but the, the way that term is used is politicized, and we should not follow scientists. We should not be ruled by scientists. We should not pretend that science is outside of the political realm when we talk about it publicly. We need political solutions to these things. If, if you're in politics, you need political solutions, and, and you can't put your head in the sand and pretend that certain aspects of politics are not political. And by the way, the way you can exert influence over places like Cornell is defund the school. This, listen to this statement. Due to longstanding systemic racism and health inequities in this country, individuals from some marginalized communities may have concerns about needing to agree to the flu shot. Historically, the bodies of black, indigenous, and other people of color have been mistreated. The bodies, not their souls. The souls have been treated fine, but the bodies haven't. And used by people in power for profit or gain. What insanity this is. Defund Cornell. Defund it. Stop giving them federal money. Well, now it's going to be difficult if Joe Biden becomes the president which it increasingly would appear that he will. But when we do have the levers of power, use them, use them, defund this craziness. There's no neutral playing ground here, folks. And the left understands that and smart conservatives understand that as well. And so, by the way, smart Democrats don't even believe the nonsense they're spatting. We caught some more left-wing politicians violating their own orders, which does fill my cup with leftist tears as a slight consolation to the madness around us. Speaking of the Leftist Tears, have you noticed this is a new Leftist Tears tumbler. It's new and improved. It is dishwasher safe, looks very cool, just in time to enjoy the Salty Tears while watching all of our new content. The PragerU Library coming here, including my show at PragerU, the book club, Candace Owens coming to the Daily Wire, getting her own show next year, a lot of great stuff. The Daily Wire Christmas Ornament, which you can get right now, uh, you can get all the Daily Wire hosts, plus Jeremy Boring is Santa's adorable elves made of painted metal. Today is the last day to get it. Text CHRISTMAS to 83400. Text CHRISTMAS to 83400 to get yours. We'll be right back with a lot more. A Chicago alderman, a city council member in Chicago, very crooked left-wing democratic city, He's in trouble because he violated his own lockdown orders. You see Chicago, Illinois under certain lockdown restrictions. But Alderman Tom Tunney from the 44th Ward of Chicago, a Democrat, of course, has been opening a restaurant that he owns, the Ann Sather restaurant, a breakfast restaurant in Chicago's Lakeview neighborhood. He's been opening his restaurant on the sly to try to keep the restaurant open. I actually have great, great sympathy for Tunney. I know friends of mine who have restaurants and who have bars who are opening them secretly. They're actual speakeasies. For the past 10 years or so, there's been this trend in bars to have fake speakeasies. So there's some kind of kitschy way to walk in and you need to know a password, but they're all legal. Now we have real speakeasies and I've gone to several of them and it's been very enjoyable. I know a number of police officers actually who've gone to many of them because the police officers think that the politicians who make these stupid rules are out of their minds. I don't blame the the cops for going into those places. I don't blame the patrons for going into those places. I don't blame the business owners for keeping those places open. Unless those business owners are the politicians pushing the rules. I do blame those guys. And maybe Tom Tunney believes that these rules are bogus. If he believes that and he doesn't want to enforce them at his own place of business, he should resign from the board of aldermen. But something tells me he's not going to do that. None of these politicians... None none of the prominent politicians pushing the mask orders or the lockdowns or the closures, none of them believe this stuff. They don't fear the virus. They don't think they're going to die from coronavirus. And they don't think that there's any risk in going and eating out. A lot of them go and do that anyway. California, my former state, California assembly members are violating their own social distancing rules. So on November 25th, California issued new guidelines about the virus, said don't plan celebrations with multiple households. It is safest to celebrate the holidays with people who already live with you. But if you invite others, only invite a maximum of two other households to your gathering. Okay, fine. Then on Monday, California state assembly members switched the location of their swearing in session from the state capitol to the golden one center because they were so afraid of social distancing. This has not changed since November 25th, even on Monday. They were so afraid they'd go to this big arena because the Capitol wasn't big enough to swear in the new members. And then right after that swearing-in ceremony, five members of the California Assembly met up and went to get grab a bite to eat at a restaurant. And they were not so spread out as they were in the the arena. They were not so spread out as they were, would have been in the state capitol. They were sitting at a table together. And I bet you, bottom dollar, they weren't wearing masks. Because they don't believe it. Because I don't believe it either. (laughs) I I don't believe it either. I don't think that it is essential to the public health that we shut down all the restaurants. I don't think it is essential to the public health that we cancel Thanksgiving or Christmas. I think it's completely bogus, those orders. I don't think it's essential to the public health that we wear a mask all the time everywhere. You know that filthy cloth mask that very few people wash or wear properly and they're always touching their face when they put it on? I don't think that's going to save the country. Don't think it is very important at all. By the way, uh, there was one independent in that group of, of assemblymen, four Democrats. No surprise whatsoever. And yet the insanity continues. USA Today, has an op-ed that I thought was satirical. COVID has turned breathing into a deadly event and all of us into potential serial killers. That has to be satirical, right? It's not. If I hold my breath when I hug my parents, will that spare me the Greek tragedy of killing them? This mental toll will last long after the threat fades. There is a mental toll here. And there is a, a true epidemic that is psychological. It's hysterics like this man, Michael Stern, absolute hysterics, afraid of the flu. A very strong flu, a coronavirus, I guess, to be specific. A very strong one. I'm not not downplaying that it's strong and that that especially people in certain groups are at risk for it. It's got a far greater than 99% survival rate. People are referring to it as a plague. He refers to it as a plague. It ain't the plague. It's a virulent virus. It has been with us now for a long time, and it's going to be with us for a very long time. And we were told millions and millions of people were going to die from it. And thankfully, that turned out not to be true. This guy really believes that we're all serial killers. This is the political problem, by the way, which is that we are social creatures. We live in a body politic. We need to interact with one another. We are not meant to be alone. There are a lot of people who are dying right now, alone in nursing homes. Dying of loneliness, dying because they've lost the will to live because these psycho-politicians and hysterical opinion columnists have made it such that we no longer view our loved ones and our fellow citizens as friends and loved ones. We view them as bags of germs who are out to kill us and we're out to kill them. That is a far greater threat to the public health and to society than any virus could be. And certainly, certainly than this virus. Under a potential Joe Biden administration, public health is going to be used to justify all sorts of of madness. Biden ran as a kind of moderate, you remember. That's out. You can just see from the people he's already naming to his presumptive cabinet. He's naming radical people and he's empowering radical voices. Here's one voice, Elise Hoag, who's the president of NARAL, the abortion, the main abortion group. She says that the Hyde Amendment which prohibits taxpayer funding from going to abortion, is a discriminatory policy passed specifically to limit the freedom of low-income women and women of color. It must go. Hashtag be bold and hide. Joe Biden supported the Hyde Amendment and prohibiting taxpayer funding for abortion for his whole career, but then he licked his index finger, put it up, saw the winds changed. Now he supports taxpayer-funded abortion. And it, by the way, it was always a little bit of a farce because money's fungible. So, you know, you, you give your tax money to the government. You can't say this dollar goes here and this dollar goes there. But still, hypocrisy is the tribute vice pays to virtue. At the very least, we had this principle in the country that taxpayers should not be forced to fund the wholesale slaughter of infants. Now that's gone. And there there is an irony, too, to this woman, Elise Hoag, because listen to what she says. She says, the Hyde Amendment's discriminatory. It's to limit the freedom of low-income women and women of color. It must go. What that means is that Elise Hoag thinks that there are too many poor black women having babies and we now need every taxpayer in the United States to pay to kill those babies of poor black women so that there aren't too many of them. That is her explicit argument. I'm not twisting her words. I'm not unfairly adding in something that she's not saying. She's saying Not enough poor black women are getting abortions. Too many poor black women are having babies. And we need to make sure that we can kill more of those babies. It would be discriminatory. It is is discriminatory. There's no, ain't no question about that. Even the journalists are getting in on this science racket. Gotta reform journalism too. Should, should use our political discourse to reform journalism Steve Cole of the New Yorker was was specifically he was discussing Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook and how Facebook is permitting conservatives to speak sometimes so that you know that's really bad and and so he's defending free speech and he's saying free speech is being used now ironically against journalism and he's talking about how journalists are the defenders of free speech but he gets a phrase in there that is very unsettling and it gives you a glimpse of what our future politics is going to look like those of us in journalism uh, have to come to terms with the fact that free speech, a principle that we hold sacred, is being weaponized against uh, the principles of journalism. And what do we do about that? I, I just say, you know, as, as reporters, we kind of march into this war with our facts uh, nobly shouldered as if they were going to win the day. And what we're seeing is that because of the scale of this alternate reality that you've been talking about, Our facts, our principles, our scientific method, it isn't enough. So what do we do? Our scientific method? Hold on, you're telling me hack journalists follow a scientific method? The New Yorker and MSNBC are now scientists? No, they're not. But it shows you that the word science, when invoked in politics, is a deceptive slogan and euphemism. And you should, the minute someone brings up science in politics, you should immediately just turn your ears off. Or at least know, maybe you listen to them, but you at least know that they are attempting to deceive you. Or maybe they've been deceived themselves. I, I'm not even going to get into the idea that MSNBC and the New Yorker are the great defenders of free speech. And the, jur- the mainstream journalists are our wonderful defenders. of free. I'm not even going to touch that. I just want to point out how preposterous the scientific argument is here. Because there, there is something politically we should do about this. You know, there was another good article I read in the New York Times. I can't believe I'm saying this. This is a week to be surprised, folks. We've discovered that we have aliens running the galaxy and have a federation. And we also discover that the New York Times occasionally publishes something worthwhile. New York Times, Joe from Scranton didn't win back the working class. Now, I'll leave aside for a moment the question of whether or not Joe Biden really got all those votes that people say that he got, whether or not he really got all those votes they say he got in Philadelphia and Atlanta and Detroit. I'm a little skeptical that he he really won all those votes. Uh, however, if the electors give the election to Joe Biden, which the Supreme Court seems to have given them the free way to do, he will be the, just by definition, he'll be the president. And he will not have been elected. even, Even if you do take all the counts at face value, he will not have been elected by the working class. The New York Times in their analysis shows, for years, Democrats have preached the gospel of changing demographics. As the country grew more diverse, they argued the electorate would inevitably tilt in their favor and give their party an Unbeatable edge. Well, the country is more racially diverse than ever before, but exit polls suggest that Joe Biden lost ground among Latino, Black, and Asian American voters in 2020 compared with Hillary Clinton's performance in 2016. Demographics, it turns out, are not political destiny, but diplomas just might be. The clearest way to understand the results of the 2020 election and perhaps the shifting state of our politics is through the education voting gap. Voters with college degrees flocked to Mr. Biden, emerging as the crucial voting block in the suburbs. Those without them continued their their flight from the Democratic Party. So th- th- we've heard about this for a while. Now the, the point that the New York Times wants to make is that the people with these college degrees are much more educated than all those people without the college degrees. And that's just preposterous. Uh, it's preposterous because the, the college degrees don't reflect what they once did. The college degrees used to be a credential. And so or, or I'm sorry. The college degrees now are a credential. They used to signify that you had an education. In the past, I don't know, say 20 years, including well, I was in school, Well, people in my generation were in school, especially for really top schools, it became much harder to get into the school than it was to graduate from the school. Why? Because the education itself wasn't all that rigorous, but it still had the cachet of if you go to this special school, then you'll have this on your resume and you'll get a good job and make a lot of money. And so it became much harder to get in than it was to get out, <laughs> to, to graduate. This is true in all of the fields, but you know I'm a defender of the liberal arts and liberal education. It e- Even that, you're not getting the classical education, the great books learning, the, the, lib- the way to make sense of your freedom that you once were. And so even on that front, for, I don't think education should be primarily geared toward getting a job or making a lot of money or something. I think it should be toward making sense of your culture, knowing your culture, cultivating your own self as a free person. Even on that front, the colleges are failing. What they are doing is churning out leftists because they are just working in a very shallow ideological way. And they're replacing great books and great disciplines with ideological, shallow political programming. What's the answer to that? Defund it. Defund it. This, this edifice This galactic federation, this galactic federation that I'm worried about is the establishment that goes from Beijing all the way to the Biden household that includes the mainstream media, that includes higher education, that includes lower education very often, that includes corporate America. They've all bought into that establishment. You can hear the CCP experts joking about it. They say, yeah, Trump was not the establishment, but don't worry, the establishment's coming back. We must exercise as much as we can political power to defund that. If the the New York Times is right, the demographics may not be destiny in the sense that immigration may not be the single issue. It's a very important issue still. But higher education could be a major, major issue. If we throw up our hands, if we refuse to have the confidence and courage to exhibit uh, the strength to stop that, we have no one to blame for our losses in the future but ourselves. I'm Michael Knowles. This is the Michael Knowles Show. Supervising Producers, Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Production Manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and Associate Producer, Danny D'Amico. Audio Mixer, Mike Coromino. Hair and Makeup by Nika Geneva. And Production Assistant, McKenna Waters. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020.